Thank you for inviting me to the stage. This is a prop that I intend to use towards the middle part of my sermon. But I'd like to open this word with that I would like to share with you with prayer. Father, we're here today to learn what it means to be a living martyr in the 21st century. Open our hearts and minds that we may be able to embrace what you have prepared for us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There are some questions you might ask about what it means to be a martyr. What does it mean to live a life of a martyr? Who are the martyrs of today? What is a martyr? And also, what does the Bible say about martyrdom? Here's the first thing. The word martyr actually comes from the Greek word marturo, which means eyewitness. It is an active word, not a passive word. If we take a look in Acts 1, 8, it gives us the plural form martyres, which means witnesses. Paul is tell, uh, the, Acts 1, 8 is telling us for many will be witnesses of Christ's resurrection and death. Many witnesses. And here are two types of martyrdom or martyr. The first type of martyr is a martyr that dies for their faith in Christ. The second type of a martyr is a martyr who lives on for the gospel of Christ. And if we go into the background on martyrdom, there are a couple examples that we can examine. The first comes from Mark chapter 16, 9 through 10. It talks about Mary Magdalene's encounter with the resurrection of Christ. Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb, and this is what it says. Matt, Mark chapter 6, Mark chapter 16, verses 9 through 10. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he f appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. She was the first witness. She witnessed Christ's resurrection. If we go into Matthew 27, 54, it's the encounter between the centurion and the death of Christ on the cross. The centurion witnessed his death. The centurion didn't die as a result of confessing that, oh, Christ was really the Son of God. Mary Magdalene did not die right away as a result of her faith in Christ. She witnessed his resurrection. Those two are examples of what it means to be a living martyr. Mary Magdalene went back to the disciples to tell them what happened. That is what we are to do as witnesses to share the word of God. What we have heard and what we have seen and what we have read. Now the next two are a little after. The time period is a little different. St 
Stephen of Acts died as a martyr. If you flip with me through to Acts 7, 54, 59, we can see what Luke tells us about Stephen's account, Stephen's story. Here's what it says. When they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus, standing at the right hand of God, look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelled, yelling at the top of their voices. They all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. This is the first example of what it means to die as a martyr. Stephen was surrounded by his peers. They did not like the message that Stephen had to share with them, the message of the gospel. You might find this in the news or about missionaries outside of the U.S., in, in realms like in Saudi Arabia or in China, where Christians are constantly being persecuted for their faith. Stephen did not recant his faith in Christ. He actually kept it, persisted in faith. As a result of his death, Saul, who was watching from a distance, becomes a follower of Christ later on on his way to Damascus. It is the sacrifice of a martyr that creates believers which Christ works through. And here's another one. In 170 AD, the martyrs of Lyon were known for their persistence in faith. The Roman senator of the region Lyon in France decided to haul criminals, Christians were among them, scapegoated, into coliseums for entertainment. Christians were forced to recant their faith. The martyrs persisted. As you could see, they're huddled together. No one person is excluded by themselves. They sang hymns. They said prayers. They encouraged each other to persist in their faith. But yet they died. And a bit about myself. This is coming to the present, but not so much to the present. Um, I... I've lived a life differently from my peers when I was a kid. I've moved around to three different con to three different continents, four different states. I'm, I think there's one more. And within each of those states, many different cities and towns. I've had to constantly learn to adapt, oftentimes an outcast. No one liked me because my thoughts were different. I was very much of an existential person. I would always ask questions like, why would that person be angry at me? Or what can I do to create a better community or to become part of a community? Usually, kids in elementary don't ask these kind of questions. 
Questions like those are asked when they reach an adult age. I was different not only in thought, but also in behavior. I did not have social awareness at that age because I moved around a lot. The environment changed me. My parents were missionaries and, and pastors, which explains for the constant travel. It gave me a sense of loneliness through time. Loneliness that I did not bother seeking to answer outside of church. I sought to answer it within the church because I knew that God was real. It's just it was a matter of realization for me to follow Christ, in which I profess in high school. But up until high school and in college, I lived very differently from my peers. My peers would go out partying, and I was one of those kids who would stay home and study or, or do my own thing. I lived a boring life, let's say. Not exciting. I was not extravagant or someone who would be great to hang out with. I was one of the boring people. <laughs> that made me different. When I would change churches, kids would say, you can't play with us, you're different. That's what I experienced in church and in schools. And this is a segue to the first key point of what I would like to share with you about following Christ. We could see this in Matthew 9, 9 through 10. It's the calling of Matthew. Jesus saw Matthew, and Jesus said to him, follow me. Matthew drops everything he does, and he follows him. In another instance, we see in Matthew 7, 13 through 14, talking about the narrow door. The narrow door is something that not many go through, only a few. And I would like to mention the word different. If we call ourselves Christians and we desire to follow Christ as a living martyr, we are to live differently from our peers. If we live the same lives as everybody else in a patternist life, not only is it boring, but our faith declines. Here's the quote from The Chosen, get used to different. We must become different because we are not perfect beings. Because we are very limited, we must rely on Christ so that we may change for the greater good. And this helps us to move away from distractions like mass mentality, social media, statements like, you need to try both good and bad things and see for yourself that they are actually bad things. This is what society tells us since we were at a young age. When we are different, we're not like the masses. The masses did not like Jesus. The masses did not like Matthew. Matthew was different from his peers. He was a tax collector. I resonate much with him because we're both outsiders. Neglected people like Matthew was able to be used by Christ just because he followed him. Christ only wants our heart, our soul, and our mind. That is all he expects us to give him as a result of us following him. 
Nothing else. No riches. No nothing. It's just ourselves. The way we are. Matthew was called because he was a tax collector and God used him. As a tax collector, you're expected to take specific notes to be precise in your account. God used that. Matthew eventually becomes one of the writers for the Gospels. Not perfect people become used for God's works and for God's ministries as a result of us following him. The consequence of following Jesus is being able to be free in him. That is what it is to be a living martyr in our current day, to be free in Christ, to be able to be free from our worries and our anxieties, to be able to live with a positive mindset in life, not a negative mind, not have a negative mindset. I used to a lot. I've been decreasing. I've been working on it. But I, I sometimes here and there complain to God and, and contemplate on my daily situations. Now, here's the second thing that's important for us today on what it's like to live the life of a living martyr. It's transparency. If we look at Matthew 4, 18 through 22, it's the calling of the fishermen. Jesus calling Simon Peter, Andrew, James, and John, sons of Zebedee. Fishermen are known to be stubborn. If we look at the next example, Simon the Zealot, Matthew 10, 4, Simon was a zealot, a hitman, also known as a Sicari from that time. Why would Jesus want to recruit an assassin as a disciple? That's, that's weird and outrageous to think about. Jesus, in his calling, even Mary Magdalene, she had seven demons inside her that Jesus casted out. Why would someone use a possessed woman for ministry? Why would someone use fishermen who are not in high society as disciples who would later preach the gospel? Simon the Zealot later goes to Egypt to preach. These different individuals were used as authentic people they didn't change anything about themselves, which is great for us. God does not want to change what we are, but who we are to become. Disciples. Bearers of the word. S being superficial Christian is a very dangerous area for us. When we are to maintain our identity of transparency as a Christian living today... We oftentimes live duality lives, dual lives. We have one foot in church, one foot in society, and when we come out of the church and head into society, we oftentimes forget what the message was or even think about reading the Bible throughout the week. To be a living martyr is meaning to be transparent with who we are, to be comfortable with who we are as Christians. Not to be uncomfortable out there in society and say, oh, I'm ashamed of being a Christian because most of my peers are not Christians in my working environment or in my school environment. If people are peer pressuring us to live lives according to them, according to the media, or according to the masses, we won't be able to live lives as martyrs. I'm not talking about people who die for their faith. I'm talking about people who live 
as a result of their faith in Christ. We must be aware of living dualistic lives. The whole point for Christ coming to us is not to live two different lives and serve two different masters. It's to serve only one master and share God's message. We must be direct with ourselves so that we may be transparent. If we lie to ourselves, if we lie to our families, if we lie to God, how can we be transparent with those around us? We don't want to be known as Christians who lie and are deceitful. We want to be known as bearers of the message and people who behave in a way that creates a greater community, a healthy community. Now here's the next thing. Investing in the lives of others. This is something that is hard for the church of today to accomplish. Early Christians, as the first picture that we saw in the Colosseum, they stuck together through thick and thin. They prayed for each other, they encouraged each other. Yes, COVID has hit us hard. And, and we have the problem of leisure versus Christ and community. Now, in the picture I have here is the picture of a samurai. In the, co the code of Bushido is a medievalistic Japan con Japanese concept of how to live life for samurais. Samurais were well-disciplined, sharp. And with this sword, this sword is not dull, it's sharp to the tip. And what this says for us, as in terms of faith, is that our faith should be as sharp as a sword. Our faith is not to be dull, not to wither. When we are out in our workplaces, in our school settings, or in our homes, if we have family members that are not Christians. We must be confident that God is with us. If we are not confident that God is with us, even if we may be lonely or if we are an outcast, we must be ourselves. If we are not ourselves and we try to live a different life like our peers, we will fail. In terms of transparency and in terms of investing the in the lives of others, we must invest not only in the next generation, but those around us, sitting next to us, whether you may be online or in person. If we do not invest and carve out a time for our peers in Christ, brothers and sisters, it is hard for the church to grow. Christ did not create a body of the church for only one person. It was meant for the many. That is what Matthew 28, 19, 18 tells us. The disciples went out everywhere to spread the message. They didn't go to one place or one group of people, but everywhere. As God invested in our lives, so must we invest in the lives of others. Same thing as me investing in time with God. If I do not invest time in God, I have experienced this a couple times in the past, I have realized that I move away from God. 
I fall into the notion that I have crossed the bridge of no return. There's no such thing as across the bridge of no return. It's a matter of, am I going to say to God, I need your help? If we face hardships, financial problems, or crises in our family, family relationships, I've had a fallout with my family last week. And I said to them, I'm not talking to you guys for a long time. But I've managed to take a step back and realize the bigger purpose of what it means to be a transparent and a living martyr. Practicing God's word. I managed to do that. Talked with my parents. We got together, reconciled. As it is, that's an example of investing in the lives of others. I was thinking about only myself. But then God made me take a step back and realize that I had to get back with my family. And as we come to a close, the challenges we face in life must not prevent us from being living martyrs. What it means to be a living martyr in the 21st century is not being a superficial Christian, but it means to follow Christ. It means to be transparent with yourselves, your peers, and your family, and God. And also the last thing, to invest in others. Whether it be giving your friends a call, whether it be calling your mom or your dad or your sibling or your long-lost brother or sister, or whether it's calling one of your relatives or your co-workers who may not know Christ and asking how they are. When's the last time we have reached out to someone, whether it be they're in need or just to say hello? When's the last time we called a friend and asked if they want to have dinner? When's the last time we invited someone to our home since COVID? If we don't develop these relationships, we cannot create a body of the church, a body of Christ. We, can't, we don't deserve to be called Christians if we do not practice what we preach and what we learn. It is time for us, as COVID subsides, that we regather and we reconnect. Homeless Outreach is an example of that. Connecting with people, investing in others, small groups, Youth Connect, our various ministries, our ways we invest in others. But not only that, I challenge all of us to go out into our places where we call social, social encounters. To be with people, to be who we are as Christians, not acting like non-Christians, but to act like Christians that are passionate about what we believe. We must not be ashamed of our faith or about being a Christian. Christians, check this out. Christians were never the majority in history. We were always a minority. It's something we must be prideful for. We're different. We're meant to be different people, to be models, to live one type of life and not two. Let's keep those things in mind as we pray. Father, we pray for your guidance. We pray for the Holy Spirit to be in our lives, not just one for one day, 
but every day that we may live lives of a living martyr, a martyr that is transparent, that is truthful with themselves and you and your and their peers, a martyr who follows you to the ends of the earth, to the end of the days. We pray for your guidance to be able to walk towards that path, to walk that path. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.